Hi, I'm Courtney. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People, the podcast where I interview individuals living with sexually transmitted diseases about their experience or people who are affected by STDs, whichever one you are or can relate to. Today I am here with Lauren. Lauren is 22 years old. Lauren lives in South New Jersey. Lauren is Caucasian, female, interested in men, Highest level of education is a few years of college. You are, are you currently a student? No, not Oh, okay. Um, what is your career field currently? I work in uh, retail at a local mall. Okay. And then, uh, I almost get this, I almost got it perfectly. Was it South City, New Jersey? Close to Philadelphia? Is that what you said? It's uh, Blackwood. Blackwood, okay. All right. The only thing I didn't mention was that, uh... Your sexual preference is male, and that you are currently living with HSV. Was it type one or type two? Two. Okay, type two. And you are very newly diagnosed. You were diagnosed two months ago? November 15th of 2017. Walk us through that. My origin really begins way before I was even diagnosed at all. I ended a relationship that lasted for six years. And for for a lot of different reasons, I won't even get into it, but I ended that relationship and really it was long over before I ever did. And really it was time and it was emotional. So I ended it. And some weeks after that, we're in probably mid-August 2017 right now, I met a man and... We, we hit it off. We we got to talking. He was very nice. He was a little older than me, not significantly. I'm 22, and he was 31, I believe. So not a considerable age difference, but he was a little bit older. And we won't name names, but we're going to call him M, because there's, there's a lot of men in this story, and I don't want anybody to get confused. So Are we gonna, we're, we're gonna, gonna go through the M. ABCs? So this is M, or we gonna go A through L and then N through Z? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go through. <laughs> There's not a whole lot, I promise. Um, but I met him, and he was nice. I thought he was very sweet, he was very cute, and we got to talking. And sometime after the breakup, I believe he was. He, I believe he was around for the breakup because I think I ended up texting him. Yeah, I broke up with him. So we hung out one day and we slept together. Mm-hmm. And it was not protected. And I know everybody out there right now is probably slapping their foreheads. So wait, and one why. more. I think there's an important element here to point out and you can feel free to have me edit this out if you'd like but this was your first time having sex too correct yes this was my first sexual experience ever and the first experience where there was penetration Mm -hmm. um my ex and i did not have intercourse for again a lot of reasons but my relationship with him was very much I won't say unsexual, but um, there was very much little to no intimacy there. Oh. And it was frustrating. It um, it was, uh, it's hard to explain. It, you don't have to. You don't have to explain that. It, it wasn't just... so much 
We can just talk about him. Yeah, no, it's it, it's it's weird. That relationship was little to no intimacy. So this really was my first experience with intercourse, and he knew this. M knew this, and he didn't mind that. He was like, "Oh, okay, that's fine." Um, so we had unprotected sex. And now, was this by choice? We're going to get more to that. You had given consent. It, it was by choice. Okay. It, yeah, no, it was consensual, and it was my first time, so it was a little odd. Um, you know, not really knowing what to expect. Um, he was gentle, and he was very kind. And afterwards, we left, and that was sort of it because I went and I lived my life and I went and I took uh, plan B because and I think I had mentioned this earlier I wasn't concerned about STDs I was concerned about getting pregnant and that's something that I still think about a lot because I mean I, I think you guys have guessed now he's the one who gifted me and um, he told me he was clean and while I saw no physical outbreak signs, um, we're going to see exactly why I know for a fact that it was him. But um, okay. you I mentioned, wasn't concerned. One second. With, you mentioned that he said that he was clean. Did you ask him if he had any STDs or did he volunteer that information? I believe I had asked him, okay. you know, oh, are you clean are you you know because from what he had told me he was in fact polyamorous mm -hmm. meaning that he was with multiple women who i believe were actually living with him and so that doesn't raise a red flag for me or anything you know you can do what you want right um right. i i'm a firm supporter of polyamory and i had asked him you know are you um like, 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 do you get tested regularly? And he said yes, and, but also that he never uses condoms. And I know that should have immediately struck me as a warning sign. And I said, oh, okay. Um, I, but unfortunately I took his word and, um, we slept together. And after that though, I didn't see him again. Because shortly after that, I want to say a good few weeks, mm -hmm. I met another man, and we're going to call him Jay. Okay. I met him. And we had got to talking, and M did not like this. He was very much against it. And I never really could figure out why, only because M and I were not official. Right. We were not officially dating. There was nothing really official happening. And so there was sort of a fight. And it ended up with, you know, us blocking each other. And there was no contact again. Mm -hmm. So we're around September of 2017 right now. And I had met Jay. And to this day, I am still... I still contact him. Very, very sweet man. And I had not found out 
that I had it yet. I was experiencing no symptoms. It didn't even cross my mind. And so in this period until November, I met two other men and we also slept together and nothing really changed until I want to say the Friday before November 15th, whatever that day was. I was with Jay and we were intimate and that was fun. But sometime after that, I want to say maybe even just the day after, I knew something was wrong. I was in a little bit of pain, and I didn't really know what it was. I had figured that maybe, you know, because the sex was a bit rougher, that maybe that was why. You do not have to sugarcoat. You don't have to sugarcoat it. You were on some freak shit. Y'all got a little wild and crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much, that's what happened. Okay. Um, So I was thinking, oh, okay, you know, maybe it was just a little too much, not enough. Lubrication. Foreplay, whatever. Yeah. So, but in a couple of days, I had noticed what I would be told later on were sores, which I thought, oh, you know, ingrown hairs. And I'm sure... That's a common mistake. I believe I read somewhere that that's part of the reason why a lot of people just don't realize they have it because they could be easily mistaken for ingrown hairs. Mm -hmm. So by the next day, and I think by now we're on a Tuesday, something is wrong. And by now I can't go to the bathroom without pain. I can't take a shower and wash myself. So I ended up taking a hand mirror and looking and getting freaked out because they were there. And I freaked out a little bit. So I said, okay, we're going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I remember up until that point, I was trying to convince myself that it wasn't herpes, even though I fell down the WebMD wormhole. No. And... Yes. <laughs> I fell down the WebMD wormhole, which, of course, pointed to herpes, but I wanted it to be something else. I said, I will gladly fall down this wormhole if it points to literally anything else. Let it point to a yeast infection. Let it point to BV. I don't care. I'll fall down that wormhole. So I called the doctor. They wanted me in the very next day. They wanted me in. So I went in. It kind of hurts to walk, so I'm kind of, like, hobbling up, and I get there, and I'm sitting in the waiting room, and I'm sort of mentally preparing myself, you know, okay, whatever happens, I'm going to deal with this. It's going to be fine. I'm sure it's nothing. Maybe I'm overthinking. So I go in. I tell them everything that's going on. I give them the rundown, you know, how many sexual partners I've had all the usual questions that they ask you. And so my doctor comes in, bless her heart. I love her. Um, She comes in and she takes a look at me. By now I'm sort of crying because I can see it in her face as I'm telling her that she knows exactly what this is before she even looks at me. And I'm sure most doctors kind of, 
hear something, they're like, oh, yeah, that's that's that, you know? So I can tell immediately she's piecing together in her mind, oh, yeah, this, this girl's got something. So I lay down, and she looks at me. Two seconds later, oh, honey, this is this is herpes. So I sit up, and I'm crying, oh, my God, what do you mean? Oh, God, like, my life is over. And I cried, and the nurse hands me a tissue. So I believe the first question I asked was, can I have children? Mm-hmm. Can I have a healthy sex life? And she's like, what are you talking about? Of course you can. You know, I've got pregnant patients who have herpes. You're going to be fine. And I was like, oh, my God, do you promise? And so she said, listen, you need to call everybody that you've been with. You need to tell them. It's not easy. It's not it's not going to be fun. You have to do it. And I was like, how can I do that? I remember thinking, oh, my God, I'm, like, never going to see these people again. I, I, like, ruined their lives. Like, I wasn't even concerned with myself at this point. I was concerned because I realized I just ruined three men's lives. I ruined, I, I might have given it to them. Because even though the sex was protected with those men, it's it, it was it became aware to me that you could still contract it, yeah. Even with protection, that became aware to me, which I told her, and she said, "Honey, you still could have given it to them." So I panicked, and so I was on the road. I should have waited until I got home, but I was on the road. And I called everybody crying. I think I almost ran a red light. I think I, it it was horrible. And I had to pull over on the interstate because I was a mess. So my last, the the last person I called was Jay. And I told him, I said, Jay, you need to get yourself to a clinic or somewhere. He's like, why? What happened? And I said, I was just diagnosed with herpes. And he, I kid you not, said, yeah, and? <laughs> your, your point is? Yeah. And I said, what are you talking about? I, I, I might have given you herpes. You have to go get tested. He says, okay, I'll get tested. But you know, that's not a big deal, right? I swear to God, he said this. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he didn't mean it as a way to belittle me so much as he was just trying to get me to calm the F down. Because I was pulled over on a busy interstate on the phone crying. And he said, are are you on route so-and-so? And I was like, yeah. And he said, all right, you need to go home. And then you need to call me back. Because you can't just stay there on the side of the road. So I got home, I called him back, I called everybody back, and I was a little bit more calm at this point, and I, I said to everybody, I'm sorry, I never, ever intended to hurt any of you. I, had I known, or even had the slightest inkling that something was wrong, I would never have been intimate with you. I said that to all of them. 
And it's true. I never would have hurt anybody. I never would have put anybody in harm's way. That's the last thing I want to do. And so D and T, two other men that I was intimate with, they did not take it well. Um, you know, in the lines of, I'm disgusting, or, you know, how could you do that to me? And I said, I never intended for that to be, I, I never intended it to be done on purpose. I, what are you talking about? I never would have done this to you had I known. I had no idea. I don't know who gave it to me. At this point, I had no idea how I got it because M was so far out of my mind, I had absolutely no idea who had given it to me. So J ended up being the only one who really said, okay, it's fine. And I remember asking him again, how are you okay with this? How are you so calm right now? And he said, listen, you know, a little background about Jay is that he was in the army and he spent many years there. And my, what I think he, what I think was going through his mind was, you know, things that could have happened to me overseas are nothing like, like this is nothing compared to what, what could have happened to me overseas. And he's very, very, calm. He knows how to react in a situation where, you know, something is wrong and he's sort of looked on as the person who needs to say, okay, we're going to do this. That really was my theory on why he was so calm. So he really ended up being one of the only reasons why I got myself into support groups. I, I looked for support groups out there. He wanted me to, and he encouraged me. And by this point, the culture had come back positive for HSV2. And so everybody else who I had told to get tested, they came up negative. They came up negative. So that was a relief. But at the same time, I had no idea how I got it. Until Jay had ended up saying to me, wait, when is the last time you talked to M? And it clicked, and I realized that he was probably the one who gave it to me. Not even probably, he was definitely the one who did. You know this for certain? You know this for certain? Knowing for certain, that's a little difficult, just because there hasn't really been any contact with him. And while there really isn't any way to get a hold of him right now, just because, you know, he does have me blocked on social media after the incident with Jay, I have tried to get in touch with him, kind of all led to not being very successful. And so he was the first man I was ever intimate with. My ex I was not intimate with, so I know that he couldn't have given it to me. 
And so everybody else came up negative, which really all pointed to him. Mm-hmm. And I had to sit and process that for like several days because I was thinking I made the stupidest mistake anyone could make. I had unprotected sex with a man that I barely knew. And now I'm going to be dealing with herpes for the rest of my life. And I had to like process that. I had to think, okay, I made this mistake, but what something that bothered me and to this day, it does still bother me was what if it wasn't herpes? What if it was something I don't want to say worse. We don't want to say worse. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, I don't want to say worse just because that doesn't sound appropriate to me, but what if it was something that was more, we'll say life-threatening? What if it was HIV? Yeah, and I mean, at this point, HIV is very treatable, it's manageable, but if it were to have been HIV and you not show symptoms until it had gotten to a point where uh, your immune system had gotten to the point where you were in that AIDS territory or uh, you could have just fallen ill beyond recovery, then yeah, that in that instance in particular, then yes, that would have been much, much worse. As far as the herpes goes, you know, you had your discomfort, but it's, it's more so like you contracting something, let's say something different, and then you try and like fight through the symptoms or try and heal on your own, but it never, say it would have never occurred to you that it could have been related to an SCD and this is living in you, but you've got like issues that are going untreated that only get worse and worse and worse. So from that standpoint, let I, I see what you mean by being something worse than herpes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, without using the word worse, but yes. Um, it made me think, you know, how did I, how did that happen? But then at the same time, I thought to myself, in the time period between when we were no longer talking and now, meaning when I was just diagnosed, what, what may he have contracted? And I felt horribly for anybody who he had been intimate with after me because God forbid he contracted something else and he's just going around spreading it. And a part of me feels guilty. And I don't want to say I it it sort of reminds me of survivor's guilt. Getting into a car accident and you survive but nobody else survives. Or some some sort some form of some form of a disaster. And Many people die, and you should have died, but you didn't. Is that how you feel, or is that how you used to feel? In the beginning, I remember thinking, like, out of the tons of things that could have happened to me with him, 
out of all the things he could have given me, he gave me herpes, which yes, you know, it's treatable. You can live, you're, you live a long life. You can have children, you'll marry, you'll have a healthy sex life. But then that this like little part in the back of my brain always thinks, how close was I to not getting it? How, not, not getting it, but how close was I to contracting something far deadlier? And Out of the even, of things. even using the word deadlier, though, like with any diagnosis of any STD, um, there's various emotional and mental stages that you can go through. Uh, one of which being one of the reasons that this podcast started was contemplating suicide. I don't know for a fact how many people have taken their lives from being diagnosed with an STD, but everyone at some point has the thought, my life is over. And some people make the decision to uh, get out of that thought process by shifting it in uh, uh, some sort of a different response. Like, we, we, we respond to that kind of thought differently, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is you either continue down that path to the point of, it does affect you. You sink into depression. You make unhealthy decisions for yourself, uh, for those around you. You're just not. You're not yourself, and you're in that negative stage. So, from that standpoint, you know any diagnosis of any STD can send you down that route, or you know you can respond to it and decide, all right, I'm going to manage this. I'm going to treat this, and I'm going to seek support or uh, deal with it. However, it is that we're going to deal with it. So. Just, I, I don't want anyone, I understand what you're saying, but I don't want people to think, you know, you're saying one STD is worse than another STD, at least from the standpoint of, uh, just of, of how they're all, how we respond to them as a whole. It, I hope that makes sense. No, absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. It, it was, it was odd and I considered trying to find him again, you know, thinking, it was very easy for me to think that he knew he had it and gave it to me anyway, but then the, I guess the more rational side of me thought, okay, well, you know, thinking about whatever percentage of people have it and don't know that they have it, which I believe is like 80%, maybe he honestly just did not know which sort of took away those feelings even and then i want to i want to add something to that even then the people you told you had herpes too unless you saw the results i mean there is a possibility that they lied about what their results were um i mean everyone that i've asked who i've been intimate with has told me to this point that they don't have it and it could just be because they're in denial. It could be because they don't want me, anyone else to know that they have it, whatever the case may be. I just want you to know that there is a possibility that it wasn't M, that it could have been anyone else who has tested negative. Just the possibility um, in the event that you continue to pursue this closure with M and then at some point you get in contact and he's like, well, no, I don't have it. So if you're at a point now where you've accepted it and like I said, you're you're with Jay now, is that right? Or do you guys just keep in contact? We keep in contact okay. and 
more so we'll, we'll be we're intimate um not but we're not really in a position to be together romantically mm-hmm. however he is the only one out of pretty much everyone who i had told who was okay with it and actually supported me good good that's awesome and for that i'll forever be grateful good and he is one of the people who has tested negative correct yes got it and as far as you know is he negative to this point because um what was it november 15th you said was when you found out so two months of intimacy at this point as far as you know he has he's negative for hsv2 yeah as far as i know okay and in the event that say he felt the need to go get tested again because say he met another person and that person requested to him that he be tested of course he would do it and in the event that it actually came up positive he would tell me immediately yeah and i considered that a possibility because i know a lot of people have said once they were exposed they began showing symptoms immediately yes that is very common (laughs) like like yeah like immediately i didn't show symptoms for a couple months and i i suppose everyone's different Mm -hmm. like it's, it's just how your body is um but in the event that he actually came up positive he would let me know immediately Good, and good. while I've considered that possibility, I don't really think I would, I don't want to say care, but I'm just at a point now where I'm really trying to live my life and move on. So in the event that it did turn out that it was him who came up positive, I wouldn't leave. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say to him, oh, well, you know, screw you. Yeah. You ruined my life. <laughs> because I would never do that. <laughs> it, um, he sounds like a really good person, especially since he was so supportive uh, with your diagnosis and the circumstances around that. And just just encouraging you to seek out support. Yeah, he was worried especially one night because for a while I was still talking to D and he was a man who I there was a possibility of a relationship happening but we were taking it slow and then I called him and said I might have given you herpes to which he freaked out but then you know a few weeks went by we were still talking trying to support each other and we wanted to make it work however he did call me one night saying that he was just throwing in the towel and he didn't want to be with me anymore i was very upset i felt very hurt while you may have been upset while you may have been upset about it like that also more so pushed you in the direction of a good person this person who 
things got tough and he was ready to throw in the towel. Now that type of person is out of your life. Whereas yeah. Jay is the kind of person who has seen, you know, who God knows what he's seen and is able to come to you and be like, oh, it's just herpes? Okay, well, and? <laughs> like you said. Yeah, and? And it, it, it reminds me of the other episode that you did with the, well, my legs don't work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, Amy. It reminds me of that. And I don't know what he's seen. I don't want to probe him about it. Um, but in my experience, you know, it's not really something they might want to delve into, so I don't discuss it with them. However, you know, things that he may have had to experience there, I think he doesn't even put that on the same pedestal. Right, right. I'm not even remotely close. Mm -hmm. So, And I'll always be grateful to that. Yeah. So would you say that the most important part of your recovery, your healing from this, I mean, like I said before, no one's healed completely. Like, we're always, always going through the healing process. So what would you say is the most useful part of your recovery and healing process throughout this journey of finding out you have HSV2? One of the most, I guess, to, I guess a real staple of that was when it was something that was put into perspective for me because I had to go see my primary doctor for a follow-up for a whole separate issue. Um, I had been hospitalized for an allergic reaction and I don't know anybody out here who has a, who has a lot of food allergies, but when typically when you, when you have a reaction or if you're like me, anaphylaxis, um, when they treat you in the hospital, they like you to follow up with your GP just to make sure everything is okay. And so I went and the nurse who typically takes care of me before the doctor comes in, she asked what was going on. And I said, well, let me preface this by saying that I was just diagnosed with HSV. And she said to me, oh, I have that too. And I was sort of taken back. I was like, oh, really? And I don't know why this stood out to me so much. You know, she was, a, she's a regular person like you and me, a medical professional. She's a nurse. Um, I don't know how old she is, maybe in her mid sixties. And I don't know why that stood out to me so much. You know, this was just a normal person that, but that, but I saw her all the time and probably the last person, honestly, that I would have thought would have it. Yeah. And she explained yeah. to me that's the kind of strain that she has. I don't remember what it's called, but she said it, where, where you break out on your face. I don't remember exactly what that's called. And she proceeded to show me some scars that she has because of some outbreaks that were just so deep in her flesh that it scarred her. But she's like, but she says to me, I haven't had an outbreak in at least a couple of years. You know, you're fine. You're, you're going to be fine. And that really stood out to me. And then I proceeded to really consider, okay, you know, that struck a chord in me. So maybe I should be talking with other people who have it. And I had no idea 
where to find some sort of support group. I had no idea where I would even, how I would even go about that. So I searched through um, Tumblr and I believe I literally, I think I literally just typed in herpes. I, I literally just typed in herpes and I came across a page and it led me to the Facebook group. Uh, and, was it herpes uh, support? Yeah, that's yeah. That's how I found that. That's, that's a good one. That, that's a good one. Um, I'm friends with the admin of that page. She's a really great girl. Oh, she's, she's amazing. And I, I messaged her, and we got to talking a little bit. And one thing led to another, and I was in the group. And I was suddenly shown all these people who are going through the same thing and have been going through the same thing for a really long time. And here I was, almost newly diagnosed, and I was just, and I remember thinking, wow, I'm really not alone in this. I'm really not, I'm, I, I'm not, I don't have to go through this alone. I don't have to isolate myself in my room all day. I don't have to swear off sex ever again. I don't have to do all those things. Yeah. And funny thing is I'm so happy that you found support groups so soon after your diagnosis because it took me five years. And I remember uh, having this conversation with some people. I was like, is it just me or are people finding these groups like immediately? It's like, and, and I made a joke. It was like, hey, I'm going to be diagnosed with herpes soon. And I just wanted to uh, post in this group and say thanks for the support. Like that's how soon people are finding it. But it took me five years to even figure out that there were any support groups. It took me that long to find positive singles. And so, like I said, it's just, it, it's amazing that now um, with technology, of course, and a few Google searches, the right kind of Google searches, you're able to find the support needed to get through this because it does help people recover a lot sooner to know that they aren't alone in this. So, um, I, and for you saying that what really helped you through the recovery process was someone opening up to you who you wouldn't have expected to have herpes. Um, that, that compels me to say, you know, you never know who is going through what or who you could really connect with on something like that. If you are given the opportunity to be vulnerable and disclose that information to someone because it took for someone to open up to you before you began to take this opportunity to open up to someone else who could have gone through the same thing you've gone through like you possibly contracted herpes from your very first interact your very first sexual experience with involving uh penetration at all so it's like people think that anyone who di is diagnosed with an std or has uh anyone who has herpes in particular is disgusting or gross or has sex with a lot of people and here you are you know your first time you just happen to hit the jackpot My right away <laughs> exactly. so thanks to you for and doing I this felt... oh no sorry i interrupted <laughs> you're fine you're fine like i said um, this is your episode thank you i actually it actually took me few weeks after finding the Facebook group and after having some discussions with people about disclosing 
you know, maybe a status that said, I need tips on disclosing. I realized that, you know, disclosing didn't have to be a negative experience. And in my experience, um, some it's it's been 50-50. You know, some people will say, oh, God, no, that's horrible. Or, oh, okay, well, I'm okay with it. I made the decision to disclose publicly on FetLife, which I've been an active member of for years now. I publicly disclosed in my bio. And doing that was actually the best thing I ever did. Because I... FetLife was really where I met all these men. Wait, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. So what we're going to do here is uh, we're drawing the end of this particular section and as far as like your the details that we kind of left out and the the spaces that we want to fill in we can do that on the part two episode where you we talk about how herpes has affected your sex life and uh the other things that we discussed before we did the podcast but from here what i would like for you to do now is just leave us on a positive note for someone who um is diagnosed as you know someone who had sex with one person and contracted an STD and now they have this uh, stigma associated with them in their mind that now they're going to be perceived as a slut, whatever. How, what do you encourage this person to do in order to get out of that mind frame? Those people have no place in your life. Those people have no business telling you what you can or can do with your body. Those people have absolutely no idea what you're going through. And it's really something that isn't any of their business. And yes, you know, you can't change the way everybody thinks. However, you can spread awareness and you can, you you can, it's hard to explain, but you can, there's so much help out there and like exactly what Courtney's doing. He has the podcast. I only just found the podcasts and I went through a lot of them and I just said, Oh my God, you know, this is real and this isn't something to be ashamed of. And even if, it was your first sexual experience, or even if it wasn't, it doesn't give anybody a right to judge you. And if they think that they can, think about the fact that they wouldn't be able to handle what we have to handle. You know, some some of us break out monthly. Some of us maybe a little bit longer than that. Know that you're definitely stronger than they are. You've been through more and you, you're better. Mm-hmm. You're a better person than they are. They can't judge you and they have no place to judge you. There we go. Now, is there anything else that you want to leave us with here on this part? Cause what we're going to do is we're going to take like a 15 to 20 minute intermission. I really got to go to the bathroom and like do a couple of things real quick and then we'll come back and do part two. <laughs> Okay, cool. 
So this concludes part one of, ah, shit, I don't have the title yet. What I do is normally listen through the episode, find something that was said or a quote, and then put that into the title and try and make it something catchy. Uh, so we'll just call this part one. This was the first episode of No Name. Exactly. We can call it No Name. <laughs> um, but that concludes this part of the episode of Something Positive for Positive People here with Lauren. I say that so that I don't mix it up with anything else and like merge the wrong two audio pieces together. Uh, I can be found on Instagram and Twitter and Tumblr at H on my chest. If you know someone who may be interested in being on the podcast and sharing their story, we do not only interview people with herpes. Um, I interview people with HPV, HIV. I haven't found anyone willing to share their story living with AIDS um, or anything else or anyone who constantly gets the curable ones. Um, just reach out to me. Let me know you want to share or let me know to reach out to so-and-so and I'll definitely do it. Um, this podcast is for anyone living with STDs or, um, anyone who was affected by it or even just curious about it. So help me make this more of an educational and useful tool by, uh, subscribing to and rating the podcast on whatever podcast player you listen on, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, Podchaser, Podbean, Podbay, whatever the hell else there is out there that this podcast is on. So till next time, stay positive. You can say bye, Lauren. Well, actually, you should say talk to you later because we want everybody to listen to part two of this too. <laughs> <laughs> talk to you later. All right. <laughs>